Hi everyone, welcome to Shredded Grace episode 1. The title of this episode is You Didn't Die, What Now? Now, I wanted to go with the uh, less incendiary but equally true, um, you lived, now what do you do? But my focus group voted loudly that A, I had to look at the camera, I couldn't do the looking down thing. And B, I really needed to go with the phrase, you didn't die. And in the end, I agreed with them on the phrase because, well, it's definitely an authentic kind of example of survivor think. Um, yeah, you know, you, you didn't die. There used to be a pep talk I used to give myself, like maybe in the first year or two, like, just don't die, just don't die, just don't die, like during the next five minutes during this procedure, or like just during the night because I was having trouble breathing, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the only one out there. It's like, all you got to do is just, just not die. And, um, so yeah, it's an authentic sort of, um, kind of expression. Also, uh, I realized it's a quote from my dear mommy. So maybe, um, a few weeks after we had flown from the Portland area to, uh, outside of DC where I, where my parents live and they brought me home after inpatient, um, I was trying to walk, and after a really bad failed walking attempt, because that, that plane ride really took it out of me, I just sat in my wheelchair, and I cried and cried, and I said, it would have been better if I had died. And my mom just said to me, she said, well, you didn't die. And the implication was, well, what are you going to do about it? So if you did not die, and you're wondering what to do next, this book is for you. It's a survivorship 101 sort of um kind of book. It's it's really a handbook. And I'm talking about the book that's on Amazon.com. These um episodes I'm gonna do probably every couple of weeks or every week, I'm not sure yet, are gonna be, you know, the the YouTube versions. And it's we're really just gonna explain some of the nitty gritty of survivorship and um do some more like kind of attitude kind of explaining successful behaviors of survivorship. So yeah, if you didn't die and you're wondering what to do next, this book is for you, but it's actually specifically for my friend Marlene because she survived twice and there's a whole lot of living left to do. Now, what I mean by she she survived twice is that she actually had uh, two surgeries. She had a uh, cavernous malformation on her brainstem. That's like this raspberry-shaped thing that's just very bad anyway nobody knew it was there until um she was four months pregnant and then she like she had a bleed she bled but at home but thankfully her husband Stephen was at home too so he got her to the hospital but um the local surgeon would decline to operate on a pregnant woman and so because Marlene didn't die right then and there it was just deemed inoperable so her only uh, alternative was to do rehab for three weeks which she did Sadly, they found out later because her mom noticed some worsening physical symptoms. They did another MRI and they realized that she had been bleeding the entire three weeks. So, yeah, that that's... I don't really have any words for that. Anyway, during that time, her family, thank you family, researched options for her. And she eventually um, flew to the, the Barrow Clinic in Arizona to get um, surgery there. So, they did the surgery and... Um, she went into labor the day after, but they were able to delay labor until almost full term, and at which point uh, Stephen and Marlene welcomed their son, Nolan. So uh, we're so thankful for that. But, however, I mean, this is, like, huge because, you know, she's 
this is her first time being a mom and she's like, you know, all disabled now. So she's like, how do we figure this out? Thankfully, she was able to live with her mother for the first year. Um, but still, you know, I mean, think about it. Well, here's a good example. She told me a story about, um, well, how to care for an infant if, you know, you have mobility problems. So she was able to stand up better this first time around than she is now. And she told me with, you know, zero trace of self-pity and just superb matter-of-factness that the rule is, well, if you're going to transport the child in a stroller, that's good. You put the kid in the stroller, you wheel it around from point A to B. But if you lose your balance, the rule is hands off. Hands off that stroller because if you fall, go ahead and fall. But that kid is going to be safe. You don't touch the stroller. So, yeah, she told me that this is the kind of rules that look, we make them in our head for other people's safety. I mean, in her case, it was her child. Of course, she's going to keep the child safe. And uh, it makes sense that in order to care for Nolan in a more safe way, she chose to sit in a wheelchair more often than not. So um, it came to pass that over the next four years, she kept on having like these little mini bleeds and TIAs, or I'm not sure what to call them. The problem was that her CVA had been stuck up in the brainstem, like so stuck up in the brainstem, they couldn't get it the whole, like the whole thing the first time. So that's why they kept on like, you know, giving problems. But eventually they told her, you're going to keep on losing functionality as you uh, stroke out every year until you have nothing left to lose, unless we go in again. So she seriously had to make the decision to go in for another surgery that happened in January 2014. And then she lost it all again. And then she spent like a month just laying there looking at the ceiling because people who have experience with this will know that that's not uncommon. Sometimes all you can do is look at the ceiling, but then the ceiling's moving too much and doing weird things. So then you have to close your eyes. Basically, you're just so horribly uncomfortable the whole time. So yeah, she got a second surgery and she lost it all again. So now she is in the position where she is thinking to herself, well, what's next? Do I just accept wheelchair life or do I try for something more? And uh, we, you know, we've been corresponding for, uh, well, she first found me in 2013 on Pinterest. But anyway, we, um, we corresponded on and off, but more so in the last year. And she asked me a really big question. She asked me, what is necessary for recovery? And I thought about it. I wrote her an email at the time, but I thought about it and I was like, this, this, this question merits a longer answer. So the book and the, the podcast and these videos, those are all, these are all the long episodic answer to that, um, to that question. So the book is available on Amazon.com and my writing is always nonprofit. You're just going to search Anne t.ningtan and um, I think this is the fifth volume this is it's called learning how to reach it's volume five in the learning how series and again learning how books are always nonprofit and I appreciate your support um, you can find a lot of content at shreddedgrace.com click on media and then you'll find like pictures and videos and like links to the podcast and my blog you can also find the videos at youtube.com and also that the podcast is available in the iTunes store and at podbean.com and that's it's called the Shredded Grace podcast. And on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, you can follow me at Shredded Grace. So the book itself, I corralled like a lot of my friends 
to um help me out with it see like on the on the on, on the cover it's you know i'm the author and t dunning tan um and friends see that and i realized i have like a lot of cool friends and they know a lot of stuff and so i kind of aggravated the information to prove a point that recovery is a team sport so thanks everybody really appreciate it i would not be where i am today without the support of my friends and here's the thing um i'm here because something really bad happened to me and i realized that uh what happened did gain me entrance into a very exclusive club and membership is defined by uh the survival of extreme medical trauma and or violent crime and yeah it's that's i know that's kind of hardcore but that's my life now like i totally get approached in public by strangers who are survivors of extreme medical trauma and or violent crime and who will talk to me about it but anyway i just want to point out that this is a club that nobody wants to be a member of but if you are given circumstances that qualify you for membership i'm just saying you know look around make yourself comfortable put your feet up because you are in good company and i also like to point out that we are all surviving something in this life you know whether it's the rat race of of you know the daily grind or or elder care and just figuring everything out in general um however even if you would not call yourself a survivor you know one or you will know one in the future and this book will help you be a better advocate and survivors need advocates so please keep on listening and reading and if again if you don't consider yourself a survivor but you know one you know there are so many ways to help here are just a few you can make a meal you can give me a ride you can be my eyes like um sometimes you know if my eyes are too tired or or whatever or you know I'm allergic to stuff so david will read the fine print like on a medication bottle or like on the tube lotion and yeah he's really nice like that he'll help me do research cuz you know I can't read normally Um you you can hold my gate belt like Randy does. Oh, no, no, just 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 kidding. Yeah, no, Randy has never held my gate belt because he won't let me wear a gate belt, but that's another story. But anyway, you know what I mean. If your friend is exercising at home, get a gate belt off of amazon.com or just borrow somebody's belt in your house and and hold it. Anyway, uh the next one is ask ask me if I want to come along. like Matt like Diane and her son took Matt skiing last year and then I'm serious Matt went like um he went canoeing and like hiking and then he went fishing I, and he lives in Oregon and Oregon's really beautiful and I was just so glad to see him doing those things and like a friend of Marlene's asked her hey do you want to do a 5k Marlene's in a wheelchair I would like you to remember but the the friend asked anyway and Marlene was like um absolutely and she brought her trike and they had a great time so yeah go ahead and ask if you want to come like we love to be included thank you for thinking of us and the final thing is make me laugh that just that just means encourage me make me laugh you know and you you can write a card you can tell me a story uh text me don't phone call me sorry you maybe you can call like Matt Marlene but like don't call me <laughs> text me instead okay thank you okay the bottom line to all this is that uh, i want a survivor to know that that yeah you're not alone because if something bad happens to you 
you can feel so isolated. You're going to sit there in your room and you're going to think that you're the only one. Um, because it's not without good reason because, you know, in that experience, you're the only one who saw those things. You're the only one that remembers those things. And yeah, that's a lonely, that's a lonely and very isolating thought. And so, um, the concept of you are not alone. The person who taught me that is Matt Hankey. And uh, hopefully uh, you are familiar with Matt. He, um, is my friend, the skateboarder with that amazing logo. P.S. That's actually a silhouette of him when he was like 13. He, um, had an AVM rupture when he was 16. He's still in the power chair. He's 22 now. And we spent the last year fundraising and he's training really hard. We fundraised to get him into a pool therapy with Diane, the pool ninja. And he is making phenomenal progress. I mean, it's just such a privilege to be able to watch this. But I um, decided to, I wanted to help him because I told him some stuff about like um, my time in the valley. You know, like that's my code for the valley of the shadow of death. When I was asleep for over a month and I had all these dreams and I told them some stuff that, you know, I had wished that I could forget and that I felt guilty about, etc., etc. And I had hidden it. And he just wrote me back very simply. He just said, hey, you're not the only one that remembers. You know, you're not alone here. And I said, uh, okay. After I cried a bit, I was like, yeah, he just told me you're not alone. And so then I said to myself, I said, yeah, well, you know what? You're not alone either, buddy. So um, I convinced him or I badgered him into launching the original Shredded Grace with me. So if you want to go help Matt Walk again, go to shredtograce.com and click on the magic wand. Um, before we go any further, I should point out that none of this is meant to be medical advice. And I am not a doctor. The reason why I'm talking to you is because it took seven years. And, you know, at first I, I named my company and all my books and everything, learning how. But I've been recovering for almost seven years and it's become apparent that learning how has grown into shredded grace. And I'm not a doctor, but these are my credentials. And I have a further disclaimer. Um, my daddy first let me start doing things only if I was really clear about this stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to read it. I am disabled, although you might not be able to tell if I'm if you're just talking to me or reading what I write. Please remember that I have significant physical limitations and help me remember too because sometimes I get too excited about this sort of stuff and if my symptoms flare up, I have to scale back and I hate scaling back. P.S. I should also tell you that I have PTSD. So the big question in everybody's mind, if you're sitting in a wheelchair and wondering, you know, should I pursue more, pursue mobility more? The question is, is it worth it? And um, my answer is obviously a resounding yes. However, we'll get more into it in um, chapter three about like the questions about like, you know, why walking is scary and crazy, but you should do it anyway. And if you have a reasonable answer for all of my points, I'm not going to fuss with you. You're the only one who can make that decision for yourself. And, you know, hey, if... Yeah, I, I, bottom line, I won't fuss with you. However, I am just going to say, you know, when you ask, um, is it worth it? That begs the question, well, what are you worth? And, you know, my point to Matt and my point to all, you know, mobility seekers is, you know what, your personal value 
is wholly independent of any physical achievement you may or may not see in the future. Like with Matt, I was like, dude, Matt, if you never walked again, I would still want to be your friend because you make me laugh. That kid is hysterical. I mean, I, I know he's not a kid technically anymore, but I just call him a kid. Anyway, um, yeah, it's independent of your physical achievement that you may or may not see in the future, but I will say that mobility is a privilege not granted to everybody. And if you have an opportunity to pursue it, use it up. I would also like to point out that um, you cannot succeed unless you actually begin. So if you're sitting there and you're wondering, okay, what do I do now? This is what to expect in this series. If you read the book, this is the table of contents. Number one, introduction, welcome to the club, which is what we're doing today. Number two is the big question you have to answer before you can do any work of recovery. Is it okay that you lived decision day with Ruth? Number three, there's no crying in baseball. Why walking is scary, but you should do it anyway. Number four, how to cultivate survivor grit with Matt Hankey. Number five, the problem of pain and my favorite pain relief products. Number six, best foot forward, how to use a medical resume and essentially get the best care possible with the least amount of effort. Number seven, I'll fly away mental health issues with my friend Maureen. Eight, the power of possibility, a practitioner pep talk with Coach Randy. Nine, how to find help with trainer David. 10, why survivors have body image issues with Jessica Smurfette, RD. 11, the measure of success, that's like metrics and stuff, with Matt Hankey. 12, the Bossy and Sassy Show, how to choose a medical ID with Megan. 13, what to do if someone you love is asleep in the hospital. 14, how to be a champion. So, there will also actually be exercise videos with Trainer David. And the goal here is absolutely not to teach you how to walk, but it's to simply get you more comfortable on your feet. That man actually one day, very early on in our training, um, I was on a treadmill and he hemmed me in with a uh, like a resistance band so I wouldn't fall out. And you know I was still getting more like I was still nervous about it. And he just said very quiet, quietly to me, he just said, "You you have legs." You have to start believing that they're going to hold you up. Well, I almost cried just then. Sorry, I'm such a sissy. Don't tell anybody. Um, so there there are things like that I want him to show us, like how to stand up, how to do weight shifting, you know, weight bear balance, simple, simple balance things that you can practice safely in your home. You know, I found those things to be more helpful to me in transitioning from wheelchair life to a primarily standing lifestyle, which is a huge transition, by the way. I found those things to be way more helpful than, um, than you know, looking up, like doing like wheelchair aerobics or wheelchair tai chi or wheelchair yoga. I mean, you can find all sorts of wheelchair exercise resources, but specifically, I want uh, David to show us how to do some of the simpler mobility things. And uh, there are other to be there are going to be other tutorials that are to be decided. Like I'm trying to convince Coach Randy to do some life skills t- uh, tutorials with me. He didn't say no, which uh, I think means that he might be on board. Well, actually, Trainer Mark definitely said yes, so at least we have him. Okay, so 
I just want to spend a few minutes talking directly to survivors. If you are watching this video or are reading the book from your hospital bed, I just want to congratulate you on the fact that you can read because that in itself is quite a triumph. Also, the fact that you are thinking of what to do next is a very good sign. So I just wanted to, uh, before we begin, lay out five ground rules for survivors. Number one is do not compare. We do not compare the level of our trauma, what we've survived, how much we've suffered, the nature of our recoveries, we don't compare because that's just a thankless job. It's going to make you miserable. I didn't understand this at first. I was just really annoyed because the guy who got here after me went home before me and I was like, dude, they said I had a stroke too. Why is this? Because I didn't understand. But yeah, we're not supposed to compare. That includes comparing with me or anybody else you see online. So disclaimer again, there has been a huge amount of divine in intervention in my recovery. So yeah, please don't compare with me or anybody else. Uh, the point of this book, however, is that you're reading it so that you get ideas on what to do so that you can go ahead and write your own story. Okay, number two, do not elope. Now, to elope is to escape from the hospital. Uh, one of my old hospitals keeps a big three-ring binder on the front desk that's called the elopement log. And I asked them one day, I was like, wow, do you seriously need a book that big? And they were like, absolutely. Every single day, people try to shuffle and wheel themselves out those doors. And then they write you down. So if you are thinking of trying to escape from the hospital, don't do it. Because they know how to look out for people like us. And then there, there are going to be consequences. Okay, there will be consequences because after you have branded yourself as a troublemaker through your misguided bid for freedom, they're going to keep a closer watch on you. So yeah, that's something that you don't want to have to bring upon yourself. Uh, the only successful story of elopement was, I heard of was of an, an, an elderly gentleman who was so confused, he ripped off his tracking bracelet at the hospital and like threw it in the trash so they couldn't track him. And he wheeled his wheelchair eight miles, I kid you not, eight miles to his house. And his wife uh, was the one who actually called the hospital like, um, isn't he supposed to be with you? Because she found him like tapping on the window outside their house. So, while officially I do not condone this behavior, I'm just saying eight miles. Wow. Sir, I salute you. Number three, express appreciation and awareness. Uh, so a lot of people in the hospital, they're like upset because obviously they just got sick in a life altering way. And they're like mean to nurses and CNAs. Like verbally, they're very mean. They yell at them. Like they throw stuff. And so set yourself apart by, if you can talk, by saying thank you. And, you know, people notice that about me right away. They notice that about Megan. Like, we were always very polite. It helps people want to care for you if you're, if you're nice to them. So definitely say thank you if you can. The other thing is um, express awareness. As soon as you are able to be awake enough, and if you can talk, let them know that you're watching what they're doing around you. Um, we all know that bad stuff can happen. And if, if you're alone in the hospital, you are especially vulnerable. So, like, as soon as I woke up and I could say stuff, I would ask questions. I'd be like, you know, why are you taking my blood? Because I, I didn't care. It didn't matter. They could, whatever. But, you know, 
uh, my point was this is this is my body and I'm I'm awake now and I know what you're doing and I would like you to know that I know what you're doing. So don't think anyway. You get the idea. So yeah, express awareness and I'll get more into this in chapter 13 when somebody you love is asleep in the hospital, but if your person is unable to communicate, it is crucial for a family and friends to make the presence known in the hospital. Everybody, you need to show up and uh, by your visits and by your mere presence, yeah, be nice to the people, be nice to them, but also let them know that you're watching how your loved one is being cared for and that you will require a very high standard of care. That's crucial. Make your presence known. Okay, number four, learn. So I was really bad at this at first because I woke up and I felt cognitively intact. I felt very, I, there was no time lapse in my head. I had no idea what was going on. I was very annoyed. I just said to myself, okay. I looked around me and I was like, you guys, please, this is the stupidest story I've ever heard. It's like a very badly written script for a made-for-TV movie. Whoever wrote this should be fired. And P.S., Cognitively, I could run circles around all y'all any day, including today. So, yeah, that was not a good baseline attitude because it really held me back for a few weeks. Well, I thought that because um, I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention. I was just being annoyed in therapy. But when I figured out that my therapist had specialized knowledge that I needed to know, you know, like about how to like do stuff safely in this new body. Once I figured that out and I started actually learning from them, it was like it was like America. Seriously, my my progress was just skyrocketed. So yeah, don't do what I did. Just go ahead and learn. Number five, keep the walker on the floor. That's a quote from um Andrew, my poor long suffering PT. He um was in charge of me soon after I woke up, well, right after I woke up, and um, he was trying to teach me the basics of, like, wheelchair and walker usage so I could go home, because I had said the goal is for me to go home, like, ASAP, because I don't want to be here, so he was like, okay, we'll teach you the minimum um, really fast, so he's trying to teach me how to use a walker, and so he's like, okay, so you keep the walker on the floor, <laughs> So while I was still adjusting to him, I was like, hold the phone, wait a minute, wait a second here. I was like, okay, so you, being a completely able-bodied man, want to talk to me about how to use this walker? I was like, yeah, that's actually not going to work out for me because if we come to a corner and I feel like picking the walker up, I'm going to pick it up because I'm going where I'm fixing to go. So, yeah. That I, I include this example simply because I'm saying that the basics did not come intuitively to me. These people have been especially trained to help you, you know, do these movements and use assistive devices, etc. in a safe way. So go ahead and listen to what they're saying. And so now the next time we meet, we're gonna we have to start at obviously the starting point. The big question is, is it okay that you lived? And I call that decision day, and that's going to be with my friend Ruth. So I'll see you around March 15th. I need a couple of weeks to, I got some other stuff to do. Anyway, so there are different ways to engage. 
you can go to shreddygrace.com, click on media. There's pictures, videos, the blog, and the podcast. Um, you can always find the latest videos on there, but they're also on YouTube. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Shredder Grace. And all my books, they're always nonprofit, and they're also always available at Amazon.com. So thanks, everybody. I'll see you in a couple weeks.